Hello and welcome to another Emith Your Business podcast. I'm Karen Iwata, longtime uh, Emith associate, having been a master coach, seminar leader, part of Michael Gerber's leadership team, and one of the architects of Emith's mastery program, our uh, flagship coaching program. Uh, in my tenure here, I've worked with business owners and clients from, gosh, it seems like every industry imaginable. And it's one of the aspects that I find so amazing, frankly, about the Emith perspective, that it can be applied truly to any business model. One of the seemingly hardest to apply it to, though, and the one that I'm asked about a lot, is the business of art. Can an artist, one who thrives on creative and technical work, create a successful business doing that art? What's the secret of the very lucky few who've managed to turn their artistic passions into a profitable business? Well, there are a lot of things I could go into from a coaching perspective, but none will go as far as simply introducing today's guest, Tara Reed. Tara is a Portland, Oregon-based artist and an Emith client. She's currently participating in the Emith Mastery Group Coaching Program. And she's an accomplished artist. Her whimsical uh, work can be found worldwide on a variety of products from dishes to kitchen textiles to quilting fabric, uh, rubber stamps, garden flags, and more, both in retail stores and online. And she's also the creative mind behind Tara Reed Designs, an art licensing company that she founded in 2004. We've asked Tara to join us today because she truly exemplifies an artist who's managed to make a great business from her art and so much more. So without further ado, Tara, welcome to Emith Your Business. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I am honored to be here. We are delighted to have you. Um, just to begin with, I would love to know a little bit about your story. How did you find your way to creating a successful, thriving, huge business from your art? Well, you know, it, w it was interesting. I think the shortest way to say how I did it was I, I kept my eyes open to opportunities. Um, I do not have a background in art. I don't have a degree in it. I actually have a degree in marketing and was in sales. I, I actually sold college textbooks when I got out of school. Couldn't be much further from the creative life I'm leading now. Uh, but then I was I was a stay-at-home mom, and I've always been really creative. I've always loved to make things. I've done every craft known to man, and I've just always been a doodler and a painter. So when my son was little, I got into scrapbooking, and that's when that industry was really blossoming, and there was a lot of opportunity. And I started designing some scrapbooking products back in 2000. And and as I said, I just kept my eyes and ears open. I met, I made a friend that was also in scrapbooking who called me one day, one day in May from New York and said, I'm at this trade show and there are artists in booths and they are showing their art to be used on any kind of product, not just scrapbooking products. You should think about this. And even though I say I had my eyes and ears open, it doesn't mean I didn't kick and scream a little bit because... I gave her about six months of reasons why I could never do that and I wouldn't be good enough, et cetera, et cetera. But she kept planting the seed, and, and so I looked into it, and I kind, of, I kind of stumbled into the industry of licensing, which basically is creating art that you contract, you know, you allow manufacturers of products that are sold in stores to use your art to help sell their product. Art for stuff. Art for stuff. And yeah. so is, is this something that, that any artist can get into? 
Yeah, I mean, well, it's something that any artist can can look into, whether it's going to be a fit for any artist. You know, it's not going to be a fit for everyone. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about art that goes on products, like the art on a coffee mug or art on fabric or art on a dish towel, it's more the it's a little bit more mainstream art. So mm -hmm. if an artist is someone that does things that are super abstract or super unusual, they might be a little too far outside of the norm to work well in licensing. Mm -hmm. If you like doing Santa Claus, you're good to go. <laughs> and so you and actually why. have a whole website that is devoted to helping people uh, take their art to that licensing arena. Is that correct? It's www artlicensinginfo.com. That's correct. Yeah. I um I found it very difficult to figure out how to how to do it, how to go about licensing my art when I was starting. I pretty much spent a lot of money, went to a trade show and and threw myself into it and learned. There are classes that you can take at trade shows, but there was very little going on online or in magazines. It was kind of this someone once described it to me. They said, "You know, before you started blogging, and writing ebooks about it, art licensing seemed like the secret society that wanted no more members. Nobody mm. would really tell people how to do it. But I really, I really missed teaching and writing. So I kind of embraced that, like, you know, there's no reason people shouldn't understand how this is going to work. And one of my key things is to help artists understand that it won't work for them quickly. <clears throat> That is if it won't work, of course. Okay. Um, I, try and, I try and be very, very real about the reality of it because you can always point to those huge success stories. The people, the artists that are making millions of dollars licensing their art and people can say, oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's what I want to be and that's where I want to get, which is wonderful. But usually there's years in between learning about the industry and getting to that point. And so I try and give them a real life example of what it is like to work in the industry. So you're, you've got a couple of different things going on. You actually create the art, license it yourself, and you also teach other people how to get into the licensing game. Exactly. So it's really like two different businesses. And so how did you come to, how did you come to find out about Emith and, and uh, what has Emith done to, to help you along in this pursuit? Well, um, I, once again, I had a friend who, who turned me on to Emith. You guys did a blog post about um, artists about a year ago, mm -hmm. and she forwarded me that she was a receiver of your newsletter, and she forwarded it to me and said, "Oh, you, you know, you and your audience would probably be interested in this." And so I went over and I took a look at the article, and I wanted to leave a comment. And being the good business people that you are, you don't let anyone comment without giving a bunch of information. <laughs> and so somebody called me, and I started talking to them, and, and what they said made sense, and I signed up for the group mastery before I read the book. And and how has that coaching program helped you? Um, it has helped me a lot. It has really made me stop and, and think about what I'm doing, because as a technician and as the person who's creating what I'm selling, you can really get stuck in the day-to-day like, oh, I need to get this art done, I need to get it to this person, and, and it's easy to not step back and look at the big picture. And so it's really made me question how I do everything and ask myself on a regular basis, is there a better way to do this, and do I really have to be doing it myself, or could someone else be doing what I'm doing at this moment? 
And you know that that is something that we hear so often from people who are in, uh, you know, the creative arts, whatever, whether it's music, writing, photography, uh, visual arts, video art, um, or, you know, what have you. We often hear them say, "Well, you know, Emith makes sense for other kinds of businesses or industries, but you can't apply systems to what it is that I do. You can't replicate what I'm doing." So how do you, how do you reconcile those the, you know the the belief that there are things that you can systematize and you certainly have or you wouldn't have the success that you have currently versus what I do is so personal and it comes out of my own inspiration my own personal creative genius it can't be replicated Right well I think you know as a creative person I've pretty much come to terms with the fact that I will never totally systematize and step out of my business because I always want my art to be my art. But I also do the bookkeeping and I also put my art into, you know, organize it and put it into PDFs and put it on websites and, and email it and put it on Facebook and, and do all the marketing. And that is something that can easily be systematized and handed off to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So it's really a matter of, okay, right. If right now your income and your cash flow dictates that you do it all or that you want to do it all. I like to know how to do everything. I'm just one of those people. You still should create a system around it because it will make you more efficient and it will also make you be prepared the day you can turn it over. <clears throat> Excuse me, allergies. Mm -hmm. um, so, so many of us have things in our head and this is one thing that I've really, really gotten out of working through through Emith and reading reading the book and working with my group. I do so many things, and there are so many steps to it, but I have made a conscious effort, and I was even doing it this morning, that when I, when I do something like, oh, I have a new way of putting my art onto my website, I document it with visuals. I have pictures, and I do this, then do this, click here, use this program, go here, go there. So... If I were to get sick or if I were to just get sick of doing it, I could hand it to somebody else and they would have all the directions. I call it trained monkey work. You mm -hmm. want to systematize all your trained monkey work. So so tell us about your organization. How, do you have people working for you? Do you have contractors who work with you? Tell us a little bit about how you've got this formed at this point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a work in, pro in progress. I do have someone that does most of my website stuff. She creates the website. She maintains them. If there's ever a glitch, if things are running slow or if, heaven forbid, something crashes, I just call her and and she deals with it. She she hosts my site, does all of that type of a thing. Um, otherwise, I'm still doing quite a bit of it. I outsource, I outsource payroll. I outsource doing my taxes. I refuse to do my taxes myself. Um, then I've played with outsourcing some other things, but I constantly look at it like, okay, well, this isn't something that I have to do myself, so I would, I've gotten a virtual assistant. But then I really analyze, is, is the work that I'm giving her and the time that I'm getting back, am I able to do enough to make more money than I'm paying her? And the answer has been yes, and the answer has been no, and so it seems to shift. So I'm trying to figure out what the best way is to add, add people to my business and still make the money that I need to make, mm -hmm. to never have to have a boss again. And and how I mean I mean when you look at the various uh, websites and certainly your the websites that you have and I, I think the the two uh, leading websites and as I say there are a number of them would be mm -hmm. the um, 
artlicensinginfo.com, and then, of course, tarareeddesigns.com. Uh, it, it looks like you've got, a, you know, a, a huge business that would be difficult for uh, a solopreneur to run. So as you're playing with outsourcing some things, maybe working with a virtual assistant, you know, and all that, what, what is the ultimate vision of what it is that you're trying to create here? You know, my ultimate vision is I would like to have a really big business. I would like to be one of those artists that is making millions. You know, shoot for the stars. Mm -hmm. But I do know because I'm, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to interview many of those people through the art licensing info side of my business, become friends with some of those people, and I know there's no way I will ever get there if I continue to do everything myself. And mm -hmm. that's kind of that's kind of where I'm stuck. I feel like right now today, I'm holding myself back. That I've grown. I've grown to an amazing point as one as one person because I'm super organized and I work really quickly. But I don't know that I can grow much more without letting go of control and getting more help. Mm -hmm. And that's where Emeth has been really wonderful. And and they're they're very my group is very supportive and my coach very supportive, but they will also call me to task and tell me I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Which is exactly what I need to get out of my own way. And so, and so, Tara, I'm curious. You, you're so um, uh, frank, you know, with <laughs> with what you, you know, you, the way that you characterize, um, you know, your strengths, but also the things that you bump up against as well. I know that you have a lot of um, connections within the artist community. You've have lots of conversations with these folks. You blog, you tweet, you do all of those things that, you know, we're all supposed to be doing to stay connected and to stay on top of things. I'm wondering, what do you see um, as, you know, the top issues that artists who, who really have a desire to get their work out there, to create a business doing the work that they love, but they can't seem to get it off the ground? What do you think are the top issues that they uh, deal with? And then following that, I'd love to hear um, some of your top tips for them. Okay. You know, I think one of the top the top things that people do to hold themselves back is they get they're so fearful that it's not going to work for them that they find a lot of excuses not to try. So it's it's easier to say, well, you know, I just I don't know, I just I haven't gotten around to trying that yet because if you try something and it doesn't work, then you can feel like a failure or you could face rejection or they they get stuck in that analysis paralysis. I've had I had somebody email me and say, "Okay, I've, you know, I've read your ebooks and I've done this and I've making contact with manufacturers and I've done my online portfolio, but she's afraid to turn on the switch on her website to tell anybody that she has art available for licensing." And I'm mm -hmm. like, "But she's like, when should I do that? I'm afraid to do it." I'm like, "Just do it." You know, what's going to happen? 50 people are going to come to your door and laugh at you? No. <laughs> you're going to figure out what works. You're going to figure out how it goes. You, you definitely, you definitely need to have, and, and develop a tough skin in any, no matter how you want to make money as an artist, because you're putting yourself out there very mm -hmm. personally. Do you think that some of the fear, uh, the fear factor, is related to artists and other creatives who almost pride themselves on not being very business-oriented, and so they almost use that as an excuse not to proceed? Yeah, yeah, definitely sometimes. And Or they'll use it as an excuse. Like they'll, I've had people say to me, 
you know, well, you went, you know, you went to school and you have a marketing background. And so that's why you can do this. I can't do it because I went to art school and my teachers told me that I'd never make any money. And that's a true story. That is just appalling to me that any teacher, like, Mm. why are you paying to go to school if the people are telling you you'll never make any money? Makes no sense. But then I will just turn around and say, but I'm teaching you how to do it. So if you try some of the techniques that I'm telling you to do, I bet they'll work for you or you'll figure out how to make them work for you. So, yeah, there's there's definitely that and there's definitely that belief. And that's one of my tips is that artists need to check their belief system. And if they hear themselves regularly talking to their friends or talking to themselves and saying, oh, well, she's not a real artist because she's a sellout. Like, oh, they're making money because they gave in and gave up on their vision or um, nobody values art. Mm -hmm. You know, our country doesn't value art, and that's why I don't make any money. We make up a lot of excuses and have a lot of beliefs around that. But there's a way to make a living at what you love. You just have to figure out how to do it and get out of your own way. Well, it sounds as if um, it's not just getting out of your own way, but but being willing to get help. I mean, certainly your your sites are an enormous resource for not just artists, in the in the way that you're a, you know an artist but all you know designer and all that but but anybody in the creative field you've got a, a great information insights uh, strategies and so forth between all the various websites and of course you know there's emyth as well so i think i think wouldn't you agree that there is something about asking for the help that you need and not right. Yeah, and and with the internet now, like you really, the excuses are so much less because I'm not the only one talking about how how to survive and thrive as an artist. There are lots of people online. There there are so many free resources as well as some paid resources because obviously we need to make a living too. Mm-hmm. And some and some people get into that starving artist mode and they're so used to everything being free that they're afraid to pay for anything. Mm. or they get irritated to have to pay for anything. It's like, you know what, you get a certain amount for free, but there's value in what you have to pay for as well. Mm-hmm. And so you need to, you know, you need to be willing to invest in yourself. I invest in my education. I did, you know, I, I've, I'm doing the e class. I've done other classes. I invest in learning how to do what I need to do to build my business and Mm -hmm. and everybody needs to consider that as well you cannot learn everything from free blogs well you know that's true and it's interesting um, because you know it's with artists of course one of the things that they want more than anything is to have people invest in their art Mm -hmm. and yet they won't invest very often in um, uh, classes education resources coaching whatever that helps them to create the business that will actually support their passion Exactly. And your ability to do it. Um, what are some other yeah. tips you would have? Um, another one is to be to be flexible. I, I find, you know, not coming from an artist background, I don't have a lot of those, the preconceived notions and, and feelings about my art that a lot of artists who went through the whole traditional art education system seem to have. I'm perfectly fine that the way I make money, I know that my art, my art's purpose is to sell product. And so I have no problem when people come to me and say, oh, we really like this, but the colors are wrong. We need this added. We need this moved. Like we're constantly changing because I know that if I work with them as a partner, we're going to get the art and the product working great together so that it will sell 
in a store, and that's mm-hmm. how I make money. I make money based on sales. But there are a lot of artists that want to be in licensing, and then they badmouth how the system works. And, oh, stores aren't doing anything unique, and nothing is interesting, and they should be they should be using my art, which is totally new and different, and they should be going to um, – you know, museums and seeing what's new. And, and I just say to them, this might not be the best fit for you because you're not selling to the person that's going to the art museum. You're selling to the grandmother that's going to Walmart or Target or their, you know, local boutique that just wants something cute to sit on their kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so being flexible with how you create and what you create so that it fits whatever market you pick. You know, they they might pick choose to be a gallery artist, and so then they need to be flexible and and work with the way some the customers that come into that gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thirdly, I think they need to be people need to be open to new ways of doing things. A lot of people get very comfortable, and and they say, you know what, this is how I've always done it. It's always worked, and they're comfortable, and they want to keep that routine. But the world is changing so incredibly fast. It's almost like if you're doing today what you to say, for example, to market yourself. If you're marketing yourself, your art, and your business the same way today that you were six months ago, you're probably missing many, many opportunities. Wow. Can you give us a couple of examples? Well, just, I mean, look at how often Facebook changes the way things work. Mm-hmm. They change. They change the way pages work. They change the way ads work. Um, there's new there are new websites all the time. Uh, when I first got online in 2008 was when I started teaching people about the industry. There was you know some people were talking about YouTube was around, but it's much it's a much bigger marketing tool now. More people are expecting videos on sales pages on blogs. Um, they they want audio. It's Things are just, they're more interactive. And so I'm constantly, constantly learning, like, oh, what are people doing? How are you promoting? What's working? And then I look at it for both sides of my business. How can I use this for my information business? And is there a way that I can incorporate this into how I promote my art? So it it would seem to me that actually, uh, you know, you bring up a really important point, and that is um, understand, you know, this all comes back around to marketing, understanding Mm -hmm who your market is ultimately, and then how best to market what you do. And those who are in the visual arts, certainly, um, or even I can imagine, you know, writers or um, uh, musicians, what have you, uh, Mm -hmm. taking advantage of YouTube or taking advantage of using video on your website uh, and so forth is, is a great way to demonstrate what you do as opposed to being worried about putting a lot of copy on websites, right? Yeah, and a lot of you know a lot of artists want to they they want their art to speak for themselves. You know, this art should speak for itself. Well, to the layperson it doesn't or it might not speak what you want it to speak as the artist. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, you know, people want to buy from people they know, like and trust. And in this day and age, it is so much easier for us as artists to help people get to know us. We can blog, we can do a little video like, "Hey, welcome to my studio. This is where I work." It's like reality TV and two minutes on your on your website. People get, they like that. Ooh, I get to peek and see where she's creating this piece of art. Mm-hmm. So then if they've met you at an event or they feel like they've met you virtually through a website, through YouTube, wherever, 
that makes that piece of art that they buy or that mug with your art on it that much more exciting because they have a story behind it. Like, oh, I met this person and it's so cool. Come, come look. You can see in the in on her website where she made it, or you know, she's actually painting the piece that I bought. Isn't it cool that we can watch that? And so it just adds that extra dimension. And so I think a lot of artists need to think about what is that one extra thing that will make people say yes. I want to interact with you and I want to be a collector or I want to buy your products or whatever it is. Yeah, I think that, that I think that's such a good point too, Tara. You know, I think we're seeing now across all sectors and all industries because of Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and, and you know, all of those um, uh, marketing channels, people want to understand who's behind the business. And when they right. understand who it is and they get the story and they connect with the person behind the business, the product, what have you, that's that's really how you create that emotional connection that drives loyalty, right? Referrals, repeat buyers, and, and all of that as well. I think that's a huge point for artists. And do you think that that um, you know, as a as a group, artists and creatives are beginning to get on board with that, or do you think there's still a fair amount of resistance? Um, well, I mean, I'm very I'm a very online artist, and I have a a very large group of friends that I've made online. I've never met them in person. So I think a lot of artists are on Twitter. Twitter to me is, it's like a lifesaver because many, I and many of my colleagues, we work from home. We work alone or we work in a studio alone and it can be very isolating. And so my sister doesn't understand why I like Twitter so much. She's like, what's, you know, why do you like it so much? And I said, well, you travel and you go to offices and you talk to people. I have nobody to talk to. Twitter is my office. It's like my cubicle. I can, I can ask questions. I can make smarky, you know, little remarks like, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe what just happened. Um, I, I get to know other people, and they get to know me on there, and it, it's a great resource for many things. I think for a lot of it's, – it's both a marketing and a social, mm-hmm. a social resource. Mm-hmm. Do you think that today artists, creatives can build successful businesses without – using social networking to some extent or other? Um, I imagine they probably can. I'm not sure. Like, I can't give you an, an example. They might need to have other people doing that. Like, I hate to do blanket statements of every single artist needs to be on social mm-hmm. media to mm-hmm. succeed because some just will hate it. And if you hate it, you won't be good at it. Because mm-hmm. I've seen many cases of people that feel like they need to be on Twitter fail miserably because they just don't understand how to interact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on Twitter or they don't understand how to interact with people on Facebook. Um, you know, if, if an artist has an agent, maybe the agent is the one that's online. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that some sort of web presence is really important. But but the succeed. the overall, I guess, message is mm-hmm. to be open to doing things new and different ways. Yes, that's, absolutely. Yeah, that's really, I think, uh, the message that you have for them, and you've certainly done that. Um, again, just to, to, you can check out Tara Reed's work. Go to www.artlicensinginfo.com or... TaraReedDesigns.com as well. And that's Reed, R-E-E-D. Tara, it has just been great having you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and for sharing um, great information and these tips 
uh, with our art with our audience I think that uh, even those of us who are not in the more creative fields um, have benefited greatly from your insights and sort of taking a look at uh, the world what we create what we produce and how we can get it out there from a completely different angle so you're just a great example yeah. of why we get so inspired by our clients uh, of course I want to remind you, you how to get in touch with uh, Tara uh, once again her uh, primary websites, and she's got several of them, www.artlicensinginfo.com and tarareaddesigns.com. Tara, thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Well, thank all of you for listening to this Emith Your Business podcast. If you're a small business owner looking for a better way of doing things, I invite you to visit us online at www.e-myth.com. I'm Karen Iwata, and on behalf of myself and all of us here at Emith Worldwide, we wish you tremendous success in all your entrepreneurial ventures.